Psalm 16. Today, now I want to continue with a series that we've been in, and I trust you come with your expectation high on the Lord, put a draw on Him, because He is our answer. He gives us the things that we need. So let's talk about this stuff some more. If you haven't been with us over the last number of weeks, these messages are available to you at no charge. If you go to our website, you can get up to speed, and I believe it'll be of great blessing to you. Psalm 16, verse 11 reads, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Read it again. You will show me the path of life. Come on, say that out loud with me. You will show me the path of life. How many know that's different than, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I'm just, I'm just in darkness, just confused, just lost. Stop that, stop that. Say, Lord, you will show me. The path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. This is the path of life, by the way. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So joy and pleasure, these are the things that exist around God and in Him. It's the way that He is. He's full of joy. He's not mean and mad and angry. He's full of joy. He's He's a happy God, full of pleasure. And therefore, when we are in His presence, these things now exist in our lives as well. How many know everyone is looking for happiness? Everyone. Everyone in here, everyone not in here. They are looking for happiness. It's what drives them to do what they do. Uh, There's some belief that if I'll go here, if I'll act this way, if I'll buy this, if I'll live here, then that will to some degree, make me happy. It will fulfill my life. Now, not everyone sees the whole picture. Not everyone knows what truly does make a person happy, but everyone is looking for it. All right? It's the reasons why some people make very poor decisions. Because in the midst of a temptation, amidst of believing a lie, they make a decision that's not based in reality, but they think it'll make them happy if I'll just act this way, do this thing. Uh, But we want to be clear about this, don't we? We want to see things from God's perspective. And now that we have laid this foundation again and again that God is happy, that His ways, His truths, His life, His presence brings contentment and fulfillment and brings great joy into our lives continually, then we know where to look, at least. doesn't mean we won't ever be tempted to look the wrong way, but we know better, right? And if we can just understand Him and how to access all that He is, we will be uh, very well off. How many know when a person is happy, they're a better person overall? They're a better, if you're married and happy, you're a better spouse. But if you're not happy, probably other people in your house aren't happy. (laughs) Right? Uh, I mean, how many know when you first got married... You put up with all kinds of stuff. I mean, you blew it off like it didn't matter. Why? You were happy. You were overwhelmed with the feelings of newness and newness and freshness and this 
romantic relationship and, and if that new spouse of yours didn't, uh, you know, do everything right and uh, made some mistakes and uh, that's no big deal, huh? They burn the roast and or whatever, <laughs> you know, they just blow it off. It's like we're in love. We're happy. It's okay. But a few years later, it's not okay anymore, is it? Why, wow, you're being led by some other thing. A happy person is just better. They're a better spouse. They're a better parents. They're not, you know, they're not always living on the, on the edge of, you know, blowing their top, being angry and doing, thing, doing things that, you know, they regret later. Uh, a happy person is a better employee. They're a better person to work for, better employer. Uh, they're a better friend. They're a better citizen in our society. Uh, we need more happy people. Grumpy people, you don't even like to drive on the road with them, right? They got that rage going on. But think about it. Think about if, if there's a possibility of walking with God to such a degree that His, uh, the, the intensity of His joy and pleasure fills your life. And you literally bypass stuff that everyone else is fretting and fussing about and pulling their hair out and yelling at everyone about. And you just kind of go right on by that with a smile. Just laughing all the way to work. All the way back home, all the way to the bank, all the way, wherever you're going. He's laughing. What's going on with you? In his presence is joy. And I live there. And it's nice. Amen. Well, some people have experienced the true and eternal source uh, of that experience of joy and pleasure, and others have not. They settle for temporary and limited substitutions of the flesh and the world. We want to get beyond that. We want to get beyond looking to people, to things, to experiences, to possessions, to, cut, to, to bring our, our contentment and our joy in life. Let's take this thing way up. Not just a notch, but, you know, way up on a God-level experience. You know, I made the statement last time that we should be satisfied with Jesus. All right. We should be satisfied that we don't need to constantly be looking for something else, whether it's natural or even a spiritual experience. Um, but we should be satisfied in Him. Now, now I want to clarify that, that language and that statement. Because I think a lot of believers will agree with that. A lot of people will say that. Others will say amen to a statement like that. And they'll say, yes, we should just be satisfied, happy with Jesus. When I got to thinking about that after I had made some of those statements, I realized that though there's almost universal, at least in the body of Christ, there's universal agreement with that type of statement, that we don't find our satisfaction in our ride or find satisfaction in our home or, or, or different things. We find it in the Lord. People say, yes, amen, that's right. But so many people are not experiencing e- anything even close to the joy and pleasure of God, yet they agree with a statement. And I think some of what happens in the middle of this is people agree that Jesus will be this for us, but their image and vision and picture of Jesus is not accurate. In other words, it's like, if I put my hands here, they see him like this through their little tunnel, 
through their lens when he's really this. And when I say, be satisfied with Jesus, and they see him a certain way, then the outcome of that is not the same as the person who sees him in a different way. And we want to expand our vision and see him in accuracy, with clarity, so that his presence experienced in our life is what he and what he means by it, not what religion has defined it to be. Not even what our past experience or some other person has defined it to be. Because not a person, not, not a person in this whole room could, could accurately and fully define God. But each of us are at different levels of revelation and understanding of Him. But think about this. Many times uh, different words are used but understood in different ways by individuals based on their past, their experience, their upbringing, their, what, they taught, what, what they've been taught, what they believe to be true. Okay? E- even uh, you know, in speaking sometimes, I'm trying to convey and explain a certain principle or truth. And sometimes when I hear it reflected back, someone says, well, you know when you said, you know when you talked about, and I think, yikes, that's not even close to what I said. You know what I'm talking about? That's not what I meant at all. It's like sometimes you read that, that scripture that says that, that uh, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. And people come away and say, you know, God won't put anything on you more than you can handle. <laughs> it's like, uh, is that what you got out of that? <laughs> That's not what it said. <laughs> That's a totally di- different message there. I mean, you know this, like, in our area, there, uh, there, there's the Mormon religion is kind of big, right? Uh, in the Mormon religion, how many know when they talk about Jesus, they do not, they are not referring to the same person that I'm talking about when I talk about Jesus. Same name, same spelling, totally different person, right? How many know that can be confusing? <laughs> someone says Jesus, another person says Jesus, and they mean someone different, Right? You know, it's like in, in, in that religion, you would, uh, if you talk about the atonement of Christ, uh, about Him dying for our sins, in that, in that context, they mean something totally different than what we mean. They would say that, because if, if you just talk about it without explanation, you think, oh, we're in agreement. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. One would say that refers to the sin of Adam, and just things in the past, and then we would talk about what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we'd say, no, he paid for all sin, past, present, even sins that haven't been committed yet. He died for them all. We're released from all sin through the acceptance of that sacrifice. And how many know it's one thing to say, yeah, sins of the past are taken care of, but your future, (laughs) that's on you, buddy. And it's a whole other thing to say, oh, no. Jesus died for everything, and I put my trust in Him for everything. How many know what that produces? Salvation. That produces eternal life in a person. That produces a relationship with God that is not effort and works-based. Hallelujah. And so when we talk about Jesus, uh, we have to talk for a while. You know, we have to talk about Him and the way that He is and His character and nature and what He's done so that we can say satisfaction 
contentment, fulfillment in Christ, in Jesus, means this, not this. All right? And I'm not proposing that I can just do this in one day. This is an ongoing thing, but I think we can make some great strides and have already, even within this message, to to help us and encourage us to, to know that God's happy. And he wants to be a happy, he wants to be happy in you and make your life so good you can hardly stand it. So I'm not talking about being satisfied with a religious idea of Jesus or even Jesus just as the Savior or forgiver of your sins, but also Jesus as the author of bliss (laughs) that we talked about in part one of the series. He's the author of this extreme happiness. The, he had something on him called the oil of gladness. It's, the, it's an anointing. It's the power of God that makes you happy. And this is different than, I've just been in an environment of happiness. I've just had some really good things happen, so I'm happy about that. Those are fine. That's all good. But this is better. This is, this is spiritual in origin. This is heaven in origin. It is the very tangibility of God's presence and power on you that produces a happiness that comes from within and is not limited by things outside. Okay, this is how Jesus lived. It's how he is in his very nature. And now you and I as children of the joy God, we have DNA in us from him. We can live with the oil of gladness on us. And it's something that cannot fully be articulated or fully explained, but it's just really, really good. Mm-mm-mm. Amen. And so, uh, there is a spirit life where, where, where spiritual realities of heaven overtake the limitations of this physical world. And the Bible's full of examples of this. Full of examples. I like to say it this way sometimes. Didn't God know that someone like me would come along and read these things and start to expect them and start to realize that there's a possibility that I could have what these individuals have? Didn't he know that when he put that in there? You know what I think? Yes, he did. He knew exactly what would happen, that there would be some individuals that would see people in here and, and not view it as, oh, a lottery winner. Not view it as, oh, that's a special gift, a special call. It's a very unique thing that happened there. It's, it's a one in a million shot. But there would be people that say, you know, God's no respecter of persons, and if they had it, I could have it. There would be people that would look in there and say, I see what they did. They did this, this, and this. And this was the end result of their life. (gasps) I like that. I'm going to do those things too. Huh? You know what? I tell you what God is looking for people who will act that way. Who will kind of think that way. Who will kind of figure things out and take two plus two and say, that equals four. I like four. I'm going to find two. And I'm going to find another two. And I'm going to do it myself. (laughs) Amen. And end up with a God-possessed life. End up so happy you can hardly stand it. End up with a radiating presence of God's Spirit flowing through your body and flowing through your soul, making you strong and making you well. Amen. You know, uh, I, I read about a guy like Enoch. 
The Bible says in, about him in Genesis that he walked with God for a long period of time. And one day, they just couldn't find him anymore. He had such a close relationship with the Lord that one day he just stepped over and he was gone. Why is that in there? Is that for me to forever admire Enoch and say, man, he just had some special gift on him. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. Nothing like that at all other than that he had faith. And that's a choice. He believed God. He walked with Him so close. And one day he just got so caught up in the very glory and pleasure of God. He said, I am out of here. And he stepped over. And now people like us, we come along and see that and think, Huh, this relationship with God thing, I think we've limited it. I think there's more there. I think the potential of the life of a Christian far exceeds what the average Joe is walking in. I'm going to go ahead and test this thing out. We got anyone here who's willing to experiment? I'm not talking about experimenting with drugs. I'm talking about experimenting with God and seeing how far we could go with Him. Seeing how far we can take this. Moses went up on the mountain with Him didn't eat or drink for 40 days. That's not humanly possible. Came back fine. Why? He's in the glory. Came back with a glow on his face. He's lit up like a light bulb. They said, we can't look. Ah, ah, it's bright. He had to put a veil over himself. Came out of, came out of the glory of God with shining bright. Even, even Stephen in the New Testament, they were stoning him for his testimony. He was the first martyr. For Jesus. And as they're throwing rocks at him, he's glowing. Bam! 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 Oh! And he's glowing. I think, you know what he's also doing? He's not hurting. I mean, his circumstance? Looking pretty dire. But inside of him was something greater. And it was shining out bright. He's, he's standing up. He's seeing Jesus at the right hand of the Father. He's lit up. Yeah. And we see Jesus and Peter walking on the water, defying gravity. Huh? Praise God. Let's open up our minds. Let's say, Lord, give us revelation. Give us understanding. Help us to see you clearly and see the potential of how far we can go. I remember hearing one spiritual leader in my life used to talk about times in prayer where he got out there so far. He said, I, didn't, I got a little bit nervous. I didn't know if I could get back. Almost like, probably like an Enoch situation where Enoch just didn't come back. Just got so close to God. And, and that, that might sound strange to some individuals. They think, oh, that's just kind of out there. And that, well, maybe. Or maybe you'll have some guts to... Stir it up and go out on the edge with the Lord and go a little bit further. Because I tell you, it's a place of pleasure and joy. I've experienced some things in my life that I can't fully talk about, can't fully explain. I, you know, it's just, it's an, it's an experience. But there's a lot I haven't experienced. And if you're interested, uh, let's go there together. Because I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward in God, and I don't know it all, and, uh, but I'm looking, and, uh, and the Lord's revealing Himself to me, and if, you, if this interests you to 
Let's go there together. I'm not content with being the way things have already, I've always been, in, the, in, in, in where I've been. No, I'm content in Him. And He's big. And He is powerful. And uh, there's so much for us to enjoy in the Lord. Let's look at John chapter 6. There's a question sometimes that's answered, that's asked. Uh, I've had conversations with our staff, with different other ministers, pastors, friends, about people using this language of, of, of needing more of God. Do we need more of God? You see, sometimes people will sing about that, Lord, I want more of you, and, and this type of thing. And I like to analyze stuff. Uh, you know, I think about think about things. I want to know if it's accurate, if it's, if it's correct before I just start using that language or singing that song. I want to know if it's true. And so uh, I consider these things. And, you know, I read, I read a statement of Jesus over here. John 6.35 reads, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And so I, I, I read this and I see, well, if I've come to Jesus, then I'm not going to be hungry. Huh? Someone, someone said, I'm just hungry for more of God. You ought to receive Jesus. There's a thought. <laughs> say, that's bugging me. Well, uh, Here's what I think sometimes takes place, okay? Because I'm really not in the, ba- I'm not questioning the motive or the intent or anything like that, but I'm not on the bandwagon of, of crying out daily for more of God, okay? But I recognize the good intention and the heart for God uh, in, in someone who does um, approach Him that way. But I think sometimes what we have done is we have settled for a limited manifestation of Jesus. Because he said, he who comes to me will not hunger, will not thirst. In other words, he satisfies the hunger, he satisfies the thirst, but what if the me that we are coming to is not accurate or complete? Maybe the me that we're coming to has been formed and shaped by man and a limited experience or by the controlling religions of man. What if Jesus has been shaped that way and so when we say I'm coming to Jesus, we're coming to this image of Him but it's not accurate or not nearly complete then that might leave in a person a hunger, a thirst. Not because Jesus isn't sufficient, not because He isn't enough, but that we came to just part of Him. We came to the representation of Him that was not accurate and was not complete. And if we can see Him in all His fullness, (laughs) satisfied, fulfilled, And I'm never leaving. Amen. And so, the the, the me that we should come to is the Lord who takes up residency in us. 
He changes this earthly reality and gives us access to heavenly ability. But I want to I go here for a moment. Do we need more of God? We have all of Him. When you got saved, you didn't just get a little toe. You didn't just get a hand or an arm. And now you need to pray to receive the rest of God. No, we've received all of Him. And therefore, we, you know, we don't approach Him in this desperation attitude. Oh, I'm desperate for you, Lord. You know, years ago we used to sing a song, and it bugged me after a while. I'm desperate for you. Uh, uh, that hardly sounds saved. <laughs> that hardly sounds like an eternal union. That hardly sounds like the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That hardly sounds like the glory of God resident within a human being. I'm desperate for it. And, and, and so I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's right. I don't question the heart of someone who might say that and their, their genuine passion. But I think they're approaching things incorrectly as opposed to the fullness of God that comes into a person when they get saved. As opposed to that fullness of the Spirit they, they, they can receive in their life. Uh, we should acknowledge His presence here. Now, not Lord come, oh Jesus come, oh God come, no, Lord you've come, you're here, hallelujah, I'm glad heaven is here now, he's all around us, amen, even, even talking about the kingdom, the Lord said the kingdom of God is within you, and people are still praying the Lord's prayer, like kingdom come, well, that kingdom done came and has taken up residence within the body of Christ. We are to expand the kingdom and spread the kingdom and preach the kingdom and let, and let these things be made known. But the, a, a lot of this begins, our experience in God's throne and His good pleasure and joy, it begins in the acknowledgement of what already is true. The fact that He has already come to us and He will never leave us nor forsake us. So I don't pray, Lord, be with me. Lord, go with them. Lord, Lord, no, no, no. I thank you that you are here and everything is fine. Your protection, your life, your wisdom, your direction, your help in time of need, it is an ever-present possession of mine as your child. Amen. See, this kind of goes back to that secret sauce we talked about. It's not longing for something that might be something that we want. It is acknowledging something that truly and in spiritual reality is. That dead, depressed, grumpy self died with Christ. And now I'm alive with Him. Who's alive? The happy guy. The joyful guy. And if we walk around with, with, with sadness on us, well, let's put that guy back in the coffin. Stop letting him out. Amen. Now, there are personal revelations to be had, no doubt. There are experiences to be enjoyed that we, we haven't seen it yet, haven't experienced. Uh, but I think a lot of these things are blocked from us. Not by God's lack of, of, of desire, but by a belief system that limits His working in us. Also, it's limited by, by us carrying the cares of the world. 
the burdens of this life. We pick them up and we carry them around everywhere we go. And then we're expecting to experience the joy of the Lord. When he says, no, my burden, my yoke is light. My, my, something like that. My yoke is light, my, bur- my burden is light, my yoke is easy. And scrambled. <laughs> uh, amen. But we're, see, we're doing things the wrong way, intending to have the results that we see in here. And we've got to let go of some things. We've got to let go of some things in order to enter into experience is best. Okay? But again, a belief system that's absence of this, absence of this is a great hindrance. Look at Ephesians 3 with me. Ephesians chapter 3. I encourage you to look things up for yourself. I know they go up on the screen. Maybe I'll change that one of these days. But I encourage you because I think it'll help you in your personal relationship with God if you can find things yourself. Look up scriptures. Uh, Ephesians 3 and verse 19. This is in the middle of a prayer. Paul is praying. Great prayer. Uh, glad. I'm so thankful to have record of it. But he, one of the things he prayed here, he said, To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, here's this, this phrase now that kind of is in this context of this discussion, the fullness of God. And he's talking to believers, talking to saved people, seated at the right hand of God with Jesus in heavenly places, right? All these things are true, and yet he's talking about the fullness of God as something that can be received. Something they can be, but are not necessarily filled with the fullness of God. And so this interests me. And I think... Do they have the fullness of God? Do they not have the fullness of God? What's going on here? But I don't use this. I don't want to dig up the positional truth that I'm complete in Him. I don't want to dig up the the eternal reality that I am 100% in my spirit born again. Saved and filled with Him. Okay? But then I see this, and he's praying for these guys in that condition that they would have this. And I see what it's tied to. Look, he said, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Now, know, K-N-O-W, and knowledge, same words basically, same base. But even in the Greek language, it's, uh, it's the words... Um, uh, ginosko and gnosis, okay, words for knowledge. But one of them you can see is a verb, one of them is a noun, all right? And so the type of knowledge that he's talking about, that you would know the love of Christ, is not just an intellectual academic study of something, but it is an active, it's a verb, it's an action word. It's, a, it's, an, it's an experience in Him. When He said, I am praying for you so that you'll have the fullness of God in your life. I'm praying that you would have an experience with Him. You would have this knowledge that is an experience, and the experience is going to pass the noun. 
It's going to supersede and go beyond something that is just noun knowledge. The person with an experience with God is always going to do better. They're always going to have more fruit than the person who just learns about God. Then the person who has taken the course, studied, they have the notes, they know the scriptures, they've memorized some facts about God. That's fine, that's good, I think that's a value, but it's not enough. I need an experience with God. We are not studying a religion, we are not just studying just history, we are studying and learning and talking about these things to the end result that we have a personal encounter with God that begins at salvation and lasts forever. It is a personal experience and if I don't have it, then I don't know Him. And if I don't have it, if I don't have experiences with God, there is no way that I'm seeing the fullness of Him and that I'll experience full joy and full pleasure. Some of these things, you can only talk about them so long and you have to go get you some. Huh? Like ice cream. I don't know, if I, have I ever used that illustration? You can only talk about it so long until you just got up to eat some, right? Then you get the full explanation there. Then you get the joy. We can only talk about God so long, but here, here's the thing. Here's what I think happens is many Christians have been talking about God for a long, long time, and that's all. And their knowledge is increasing, and their life is benefiting on, on a limited way, in a limited way. But there's something beyond that. It's called verb. Huh? Need to get some verbiage going on. Here. I'm talking knowing God through an experience where He fills you and oh my. I don't know if I can explain this. Then you got it. Why? Because it passed knowledge. It passed your ability to just figure it out and explain it and all this stuff. It's, and it's between you and, it, between you and him. We have examples in Scripture, but now how many know not everyone experienced God in the exact same way? Some of them had similar experiences. There are cons- some consistencies that we can believe and expect to happen in our lives, but there are other things, they'll be unique to you. I mean, so what, what happened with you? Well, this happened, and others will go, I've never heard of that happening before. So, between me and the Lord, chill out. I mean, I can't, I can't define the ex- extent of your relationship with God and all that He might say to you and do and, make, and how He might make you feel. It might be different than what I've experienced, but that's okay. Anybody having fun yet? Am I saying that people should have an experience with God beyond salvation? <laughs> Absolutely, I am. Absolutely. Salvation is, again, the first of a lifetime of experiences with God. My contentment in life now, watch, is not found in longing for the next miracle. I'm not, I'm not discontent until I see God do one more thing, and if I just see another miracle like this, then I'll be, I'll be okay. No, my, my, my contentment in life is in enjoying God's presence and eternal bliss continually. 
it's not always about a next event. There will be other events. There will be other things to see and behold. But I find pleasure, and I must find pleasure, in His presence in me today, this moment, and tomorrow, and continually. Contentment. There are some of you that, are, that were really happy at one point. You got saved. Your sins were washed away. You loved God. You were thrilled. But you lost it. You lost what the Scripture refers to as the joy of salvation. In Psalm uh, 51. The joy of salvation. I mean, you know you can have it back. Because <laughs> none of these things were intended to be a flash. Where God will just bless you and uh, you'll have a good day. But the rest of your life, you're on your own now. See you in heaven. They're intended to be the beginning of something that continues. Amen. I don't mean it won't change. And we're not led by emotion, not led by feeling, not led by experience. We're led by His Word. But in the midst of that, if I'm really walking in His Word, if I really believe His promises, it doesn't produce an absence of results. It's amazing what people put up with. It's amazing what people will, will, will say, about, say about the Lord. You know, I prayed for this and nothing happened. And, oh, I guess that's a, just God's will. Blah! What scripture did you get that from? Pray and nothing happens. See, I'm not satisfied with that. Someone said to me recently in one of our classes, uh, they said, well, what, what if you... Uh, what, what about if, if you ministered to someone, laid hands on someone, and they didn't get healed? Well, I said, we'd just stay with it. You keep working with them until they do get healed. I don't know why that, that concept eludes some. It's almost like, well, it didn't work, so nothing we can do. Listen, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power is constant. He's always on. <laughs> he doesn't have an off switch. If we need to adjust, we do. If we need to tweak, we do. If we need to see it, we do. And I'm telling you, we do. We see things so much. And we know the Scripture says we, we see through a glass darkly, mirror dimly. None of us see it all. But Lord, open our eyes to see more. We can help more. We can experience Him more. And our lives can be filled with His joy continually. Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at Hebrews 13. Let's finish here. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Verse 5, Hebrews 13, 5, uh, this will be a good stopping place for today. We'll unhook and rehook up again next week. 13, 5, it reads, let your conduct be without covetousness. So we're not to be, how many know we're not to be coveting other people's stuff? All right. The Lord does not have any problem with anyone being rich, wealthy. All right. But he does have a problem with people being covetous longing for someone else's stuff. That's not right. He said, don't do that, but be content with such things as you have. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. This is true in this regard. If I'm driving down the road, I shouldn't be always looking in the next lane. Oh, I want that one. Dissatisfied every day with what I have because I'm always wanting what someone else has. That's, that would be wrong. And so I think this covers that kind of stuff. 
Doesn't mean you can't have one of those. They probably make another one. Just don't covet that one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not wrong to desire something nice or want something, but don't covet other people's stuff. Be content with what you have. Whatever it is, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everything's fine. But he goes on to say, For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What does that have to do with coveting other stuff? I tell you, the main thing that Christians have is Jesus. Why do I not need to covet someone else's life and their existence and their possession? I have Jesus. And He is far better than anything of this world. He is far better than ice cream and far better than any kind of car, far better than any kind of material possession or any circumstance or environment or any island or, or white sand. or uh, he, he really is. And if we get this revelation and establish this relationship with Him, it doesn't matter where we are, what we drive, what we have, what our surroundings are. I'm content because He will never leave me or forsake me. The world may pass away, but as long as I have Him, <laughs> oh, happy day. Amen. Now watch. Let me, let me try to close, try to finish. If that seems like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I'm telling you that's what's going on. If it seems like, ah, I'd rather have the car. I'd rather have the beach. I'd rather... Get out there and experiment with God a little bit. Say, Lord, all right, maybe that's true. I'm not sure. Maybe. Open my eyes. Help me to see the way you really are. Come on, let him douse you with a... with something that'll blow your brain. It'll mess you up. And you'll be happy to be messed up. Paul said in Romans 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What's the kingdom kingdom of God about? Happy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And if we're in the kingdom, and the kingdom's in us, then what should we have in us? Righteousness, peace, joy. Amen. Father, we love you today. We serve you. We thank you for your presence. I thank you for the grace of God that is sufficient for every person now. Lord, your grace enables us to walk higher than we're able to walk on our own. Your grace lifts us up, propels us forward, enables us to do what we're not able to do. Lord, it heals our bodies and makes our minds at peace. It gives us freedom and it gives us complete release. Thank you for your overwhelming and joyous pleasure and presence and goodness in our lives. We acknowledge you today. We turn our back on the things of this world, on the ways of the flesh. And we turn our eyes to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you for working in us, working through us, 
and surrounding us with your presence every day and all the time. We love to be with you, Lord. We're so thankful for you. We give you all the glory and all the praise for every good thing that happens. And we say that good things are happening in our lives today. Oh, glory to God. In Jesus' name, you're our heart. You're our life. Thank you, Lord, for working in us now. For the good pleasure of your will. Praise God in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.